So, Gift of Grace, I don't know, great series we have been going here. We're actually starting our descent, uh, culminating this series here with this week and next. And the next two weeks really are, as we're going to see, are a culmination of this text as a whole, and also all of what Paul has been preaching for the previous first 11 chapters of Romans. We've titled these last two sections, The Gifts We Use by the grace we've been given. The gifts we use by the grace we've been given. This will be part one. So if you could open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, where we've been. And this morning we're going to spend the majority of our time in verses 6 through 8. But we will get a little bit of a running start into that from the previous weeks. God, we just come to you this morning, God, as we always do. God, with our Bibles open, with our minds open, with our ears ready to hear. And God, I pray, Father, as we go through this, God, that you would help me, Father, God, to speak your truth, the only truth that's out there. And you would, God, help us as the listeners, God, to hear your words, God, that they would change our hearts, God, that we would apply them, and God, through that glory would be given to your name. God, help me, Father, to open my mouth, God, to preach the word, God, to exalt Christ. Amen. So we're going to be looking at four of the seven gifts that are in this list here that you have in the text. The ones I'm going to be covering are what we call the service gifts. And Pastor Ben next week will cover what is called the speaking gifts. Uh, Those are kind of the categories that we have put them into. And the text reads, and picking up in verse 6, let's look at it real quick. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, and the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So that's the list there. And there's a couple important things for us to know as we kind of jump into this, just specifically looking at that list. First of all, it's important for us to know that this is not an exhaustive list or all-inclusive. Right? There are many other giftings, per se, that come throughout Scripture. We actually even see another list in 1 Corinthians 12 that is similar but is not identical. So what we're going to see is there's a lot of mixing and matching and elements of these gifts that play out personally in each of our lives as believers. Really, the main difference between what we see in Romans and 1 Corinthians 12 is the sign gifts are not in this list. In 1 Corinthians 12, they are. So that would have been three categories, service and signs and speaking. And most theologians, and if you look at Paul's teaching later on, it's Romans was written actually after that. Uh, the apostolic age was beginning to, to beginning to dwindle. So we see some slight differences in those lists, but they're also very similar in a lot of ways. Also, these characteristics are that of Christian virtues. They are the way by which us as Christians are to live. When you look at the things on this list, these are Christian attributes. Really what they are are things that are, that are even possible for you and I because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers. When we look specifically at the idea of a gift, what is unique or what changes is the gift has this um, kind of this rising to the top. It becomes evident in your life that not only is this something that God has given you as a virtue, as a Christian, 
but you specifically have an elevated level in that area, something that kind of stands out in the crowd, something that you say, man, that's something that maybe possibly comes easy to me. It's a gifting, right? We understand kind of that word gifting. A lot of times in our culture, now we talk about people's capacities and their bandwidths. Right? Our giftings kind of are these, this picture of us having an increased bandwidth or a capacity in a certain area here that we see in this list. And also some mixing and matching, as I said. When you think of and you say a gifted athlete, is that someone that's just good at that particular sport? Or someone that's kind of above the rest in that sport? Right? That's this idea of gifting that we want to look at as we move through this. And in context, remember in the last 11 chapters, Romans 1 to Romans 11, Paul has laid down some amazing biblical doctrine in connection to us as believers and salvation and who God is. So this right here, chapter 12, is a shift as we know. And actually these first five verses before this has really set this up well for us. Because now it's a time to put action. It's a time for all of the doctrine and all of the teaching that we've learned for 12 chapters. Although we haven't been doing it in this particular series, we know it's true. Now we're going to put feet to it. Now our duty comes into play as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. A common thread, a main idea that will play out through this entire message because that's the core of the text here is that because of God's great mercy in salvation... We are to walk out these gifts with the humility because of the grace God has given us to the benefit of others. His mercy, His grace, humility, and for the benefit ultimately of others. And we're going to kind of really answer three big questions. The first two we'll move through pretty quick, and the last one is where we'll spend the majority of our time here this morning. But the first one being, as a believer, how could we not respond Because of what we know, because of what we have learned about who God is, knowing that it was out of his great mercy, how could we not respond? Secondly, how must we respond? It's one of humility. The text shows us that, and we'll look at that in more detail. We talked about that last week. It's the secret ingredient. And how will we use them? It's this idea here in the text where it says, let us use them. It's his mercy. It's in humility. And the reality is, is we need to put it to work. We need to use it. So when we look and connect the truths from the last two weeks that we talked about, right, living lives of sacrifice, life that was connected to the mercy of God, the humility that comes, it's going to give us right perspective of moving into this. It's basically been teed up for you. How many of you play golf other than Pastor Ben? The majority of the church plays golf, Pastor Ben. Look around. Um, so when we hear this word tee it up, obviously that could primarily in my mind speaks to golf. And I know whenever I get up there and I stick that ball on the tee and I get it the height I need it, it's grip it and rip it. That's my motto. Sometimes it goes very crooked. Sometimes it rarely goes straight, but it always goes far, right? Grip it and rip it. That's where we are right here with Paul's message. He has teed it up for us. And verses six through eight is us launching this ball out down the line. I guess we could use a baseball tee as well, but that's for kids. It's teed up. It's a moment of action. We're going to put some feet to this. So let's firstly look at this response element in connection to the great truths of chapters 1 through 11. That brings us to our first point this morning, that gifts of grace are out of Christ's great mercy. Gifts of grace are out of Christ's great mercy. That's the series we're in, gifts of grace. And if we look at the first part of verse 6, 
It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Some translations say sense, right? There's this idea of moving forward, being that it's out of grace, having gifts that are given in that way, they are called grace gifts. It comes from the root word in the Greek, charismata. Charismata, and it means a gift of grace, a favor, that of which is unmerited, right? That's what grace is. So if it's unmerited and it's out of grace, it obviously points us back to Christ. It's out of the Lord's great mercy that these grace gifts are handed over to us. If we look back as a reminder to Romans 12, 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. Remember that word present right there, because we're going to bring that up a little bit later. That's going to be a key word. But the great mercy we have been shown in salvation through chapters 1 through 11 is what and the way by which we will respond as believers. If we don't have a right view of salvation, if we don't have a right view of what Christ did and what Paul laid out for us, we will not understand what, gave, what these gifts were and how they were meant to be applied in our lives. Our dependence and our faithfulness depends on that of the Lord, not of ourselves. And these gifts are essential in presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Right? We talked about under his great mercies, this living sacrifice. These gifts are the conduits, they're the highways, they're the way by which the mercies of God and the grace of God goes out in the community, in the lives around us. These gifts are going to be our spiritual worship. Worship must precede service. Let us never forget that. Our worship of God must precede the service of our Lord because if we don't and we flip them, then it becomes us in control and not God in control and we then have a worship problem. Think back to the story of Mary and Martha. What did Mary do? She sat at the feet of Jesus. What did Martha do? She worked. It was in good conscience. She thought she was doing the right thing, but she just flipped it. Our worship comes before our service, just like it started here in 12.1, that we would present our bodies as a living sacrifice, as a spiritual worship unto God. So if it's out of worship, then we can have no other responsibility. If it's out of this response of the mercy that's been played in our life, then we have no other option that we have to walk in humility. Secondly, gifts of grace are to be walked out in humility. They're given by the great mercies of God. Therefore, being they don't have anything to do with you and I, then we walk it out with humility. What's the opposite of humility? Pride, arrogance, self-centeredness. This idea that you're the one doing it ultimately when it's ultimately God's work. Quickly tying us back to verse 3, it said, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. There's a key conjunction here with this four right here. What it does is it begins to tie the service of our spiritual worship to the attitude of our worship. There's a shift here in the text. Attitude is going to be key as we walk them out in humility. And he gives us two commands here, one of prohibition, one to say do not do, and one of prescription, one that says this is how to do. 
You know, he said think here. You might have heard when I read it, think was mentioned multiple times. Well, the word think is mentioned three different times. And actually, we'll see a fourth, although you don't see it right now. And they all have varying differences for what Paul is trying to communicate here. So in the first part there, it says not to think of himself more, more highly than he ought to think. Well, those words you see right there that say think come from the Greek word phroneo. For Neo, and it is to have understanding, to be wise, to have understanding, to be wise. It's kind of somewhat of the root word for the word think here. But as we see it move, it says there to not think more highly than he ought to think. Well, that's the word hooper for Neo, right? So that's an elevated level of thinking about yourself. The problem is, by definition, it's more highly than what is proper. So we have this basic level of thinking that he says, but then he says, but do not hooperfaneo, do not overthink, do not give yourself more credit than it's ultimately due. It's to be one of humility. Brings us to Galatians 6.3. It says, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And that section there in Galatians 3 is talking about how we are to bear one another's burdens as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. These giftings work to the benefit of the body of Christ, ultimately. I think sometimes what we get caught up in this, this situation here about thinking too highly of ourselves is this idea of self-love or I need more self-esteem. Well, I'm here to tell you, our culture does not lack self-esteem. It's got too much of it is the problem, right? It's got too much of it. That's why when we look back in the scriptures and Jesus said that he gave us the two greatest commandments, he said that you love your neighbor as yourself because there's no doubt that all of us love ourselves. Now, you might disagree with me, but the truth is that the very fact that you're here shows you care for yourself because you are alive. You eat. You drink. You do the very things to sustain life. Now, I understand the, the connection to that in other directions, but we don't have a self-esteem problem. Right? We think too highly of ourselves ultimately, or in the wrong way in which we have around us. And that's why Jesus had to circle back. He said, love your neighbor as I have loved you. As I have loved you. One of sacrifice. One of love. So don't think more highly. Don't hooper for neo more than you ought to. And it's key here because when he goes to this next one, he gives us but think. Right? That's for neo with sober judgment. And sober judgment is so for neo. So for now, we have three, three different things here, and it's to put a moderate estimate upon oneself and think of oneself soberly to curb one's passions. He says, don't think too highly of yourself. Think of yourself in the correct light. Think of yourself in the way which puts aside all of the things that you want to do and you want to be and that are important to you so that ultimately we can focus on that of Christ. Think with sober judgment. Correct Evaluation yields correct walking out of our faith because it's in that of humility. Gifts of grace are to be walked out in humility. Remember, we're viewing our gifts in light of the great mercy that God has done in our lives. The fact that our lives are a spiritual worship unto the Lord. Because why? Because it says there that God measures out what we need according to his will. He talks about a measure of faith. A measure of faith is God gives us exactly what we need to function within the body in the exact place by which he has placed us. 
Now, it's not specifically speaking to saving faith, because this is believers that are already in the faith. However, it does still apply, because in the purity, in the essence of what it means to be a believer and to walk according to God's word, would be that of faith. It's the very thing by which we are called to do. But the measure of faith that each of us have is God-ordained, God-appointed for you and I to function within the body of Christ by the way in which he designed us to do so. If no humility, if no regard for the mercy of God, then what we ultimately end up doing is causing frustration inside of the body, frustration in and of ourselves because we're not doing it according to how God has ultimately prescribed us. The gifting is going to fit the responsibility when God has placed it accordingly. When you think about a body, and we talked about this quickly last week, about how the body functions, how the human body functions. Do different parts of the body ever argue with the other parts in their function? They just do what they do, right? You know, they just, they just go with the flow. They are at work in what they're supposed to be doing. Because what we're going to see is that there is no selfishness, no self-centeredness in the usage of these gifts. It's because my gift is for you and your gift is for me. We don't get to lay hold of our own gifts. It's no gift at all. It's just you buying something for yourself. And the last part here, and this is where we're going to spend the majority of our time. Now that we understand it's out of the great mercies of God, it's that we're living lives of spiritual worship as a living sacrifice. And the only way by which we can do that is one of humility. Grace, gifts of grace are for the benefits of others. Gifts of grace are for the benefits of others. Four and five, speaking as for the body, for as in one body we have many members and the members do not have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. Last week we learned that the humility was the essential ingredient for us as a body of believers in how we function. And Paul gave another conjunction here. He says four. And here directly connected to the analogy of the body and connecting it to the body specifically of one that is in Christ. Let us not forget that. We are a body and we are able to do what we do because of who we are in Christ. It's not our work. Just as the human body, we are many members of one another. We are meant to be an organism that's working, not just an organization. An organism that's fit together and works in one accord with one another as Christ has ordained. And if you have a lung that's trying to be a leg this morning, it doesn't happen. It would fail miserably. What would happen if your body parts decided to only focus on themselves and not consider what ultimately, if they just didn't have a function to work with one another? You would die, right? We know all too well in our culture what we see here from a disease standpoint is cancerous. How many times do you say, that person's cancerous? Well, that person's causing this problem inside of your family, your workplace, Right? Cancer inside of the body is, it, it's really, for those of you that obviously know, and I know very little, but what's fascinating about it is the cells keep dividing, but they don't die off. And they just keep, keep turning in on themselves and getting more and more and more. We see tumors, we see mass grow, and ultimately, eventually, they begin to spread in some situations. But they are the epitome of not dying to self. They don't die. The cells keep growing and keep growing and keep growing and keep multiplying and keep multiplying and multiplying and thriving and thriving and thriving until it kills 
its host. It kills the other body parts that are next to us. So it's the same picture for you and I. If we turn inward on ourselves, if we don't focus our gifts outwardly to the body, what do we end up we do? We thwart the body. Ultimately, killing ourselves in areas of ministry. In light of these truths, as we pick up here in verse 6, he says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. And then he goes through this list here. But before we jump into this list, there's a couple of things that I think are important for us to see in that first part of verse 6. First of all, he talks about differing gifts. Showing that there is a clear diversity of gifts among the body of Christ. People with different giftings, just like in our human body. Once again, he reminds us that it's according to the grace. His great mercies, the grace that he's given to us. It's a reminder of where we came from. And he gives us here this point of let us use them. Let us use them. By the grace we've been given, let us use them. By the grace we've been given, by the mercy in our lives, let us use them. Now, what's interesting about that phrase is that phrase is actually not even in the original um, manuscripts. It was something that was added there by translators to help us understand what Paul's trying to communicate here. Some of you, it may say, exercise them accordingly. Some of your Bibles, it might be italicized. Right, Because this was a section that was added in by translators to help you and I here in the English language understand ultimately what he's trying to say here. There is no main verb in verses 6 through 8. They all speak specifically to the gift that's listed there. For us to get the main verb, we've got to go all the way back to the beginning where it said, Present your bodies a living sacrifice. The way by which we're going to present our bodies as a living sacrifice is... In prophecy, in proportion to our faith, in service and our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. That's the presentation that we do for the body. They would have understood that, and I believe we do now. But when I think about giftings and this idea of presenting someone, how many of you ever got gifts from your children uh, when they were younger? And you opened it up and you smiled and you said, thank you. And then you quickly found a way to hide it in the closet, on the shelf. Maybe you even put it on display on a shelf in an act of showing that you had use for it. Only for them to come back weeks or months or possibly years later and find it. And say, mom, dad, why you never use this? And then of course, then you've got to come up with some good excuse on why you didn't. Because gifts are meant to be what? used right one time i bought rachel a fishing shirt at academy i thought it was amazing um it was beautiful it's a great deal it's a great color great size i got everything right well i didn't get everything right and um that was a major fail that gift was not received well uh, and although um i learned a valuable lesson that day don't buy clothes for your wife She's much better at it than, I mean, you might be different in your relationship. I'm, I, you know, I picked a fishing shirt. I mean, let's just, let's just be honest here. But gifts are meant to be, we give them with the intention that they would be used for others, for the benefits of those that are around us. We don't, we don't give them for any other reason. I think about the story in Matthew 25 about the parable of the talents. You remember what happened there, right? 
Two of them take the money and they, and they do well with it. They steward it. One of them takes it and goes buried in the field and hides it, right? The master comes back and takes his accounts from all of them. And he basically is proud of the first two. He gets to the last one. He's like, you, you wasted it. You squandered it. Why, why did you do that? And takes it and gives it to the other one who he knows is going to be ultimately faithful with it. Gifts of grace are for the benefit of others. They're meant to be used. So as we look at these gifts here, we need to remember back in the beginning, it's not an exhaustive list. It's not all inclusive everything. It's actually varieties of gifts that are derived out of this list. And 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and 6 shows us this because it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Right? So varieties. There's this picture here of what's going on. We're going to look to the specifics of the art, but knowing that there's different, remember, capacities and bandwidth by which the Lord gifts each one of us in these different ways. So speaking of the service gifts this morning, we'll start with that one firstly. If service in our serving. And you say, well, that seems pretty straightforward that we should serve in our serving. And it is that straightforward, but what it also does, it points us to the very thing, the attribute that God was hoping to communicate with this, that it is his design, that we are to serve in serving. Next week, we'll see that you teach in teaching and you exhort in exhortation, right? And what he's pointing to is that this would, it's, it is by God's design to do and to be about serving the body. The word there comes from diakonia, which is where we get the word for deacon. In Scripture, where we see the word deacon, the office of the deacon comes from that word. It's one that's meant to help you. If you remember back in Acts, they were, they were needing some help to, to, to disperse food and different things. And he brought in the diakonos to help out. That word service is just that. It's quite simple, to serve. It's similar in 1 Corinthians 12 to the gift of helps. It's a similar, similar usage there. What's important about serving is, is and we, we look at these things, we must remember that if you are a believer, if you are a Christian here today, you are to serve, right? Let's just make sure we understand that. This is not, you don't get to get off the hook if you all of a sudden come across this list and you're like, yeah, I don't think I'm really, I don't think I'm into serving. No, as a Christian, everything we read here is an element of who you are at some level. We're going to talk a little bit more about the gifting side of it. But we're all called to be servers. Some of us are just super servers. I think about it sometimes when you're trying to delineate who these people are. It's like you get somewhere and you're working with them. And like as the day goes on, they just don't seem to quit. They don't want to take lunch. They don't want to take supper. They don't want to take bathroom breaks. They don't want to take water breaks. They don't ever want to stop. And you like, you look at them like, dude, what is the problem? That's a gifting, right? They could be crazy in some cases too. But let's just take the spiritual route and believe that they're empowered by the Holy Spirit in these moments to be able to just to go above and beyond. But it doesn't let any of us off the hook to not be about serving those around us. There's no such thing as a non-serving Christian. Just to be clear, no such thing. Jesus gives us an amazing picture of that in Mark 10 Verse 45, he says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If it's out of the great mercy for what Christ has done for us, 
if humility is a way in which we walk it out, if it's for the benefit ultimately of others, is it not clear that service and serving is a vital part for us as believers? To have service in our serving. So what's that look like for you and I? What does it look like to be a server? Well, I think big picture, if you see a need, meet the need. There's all kinds of things to be done. And I'm talking within the confines of the body of Christ, right? Whether it's something from a Sunday morning to during the week to an outreach event, whatever it is, when you see a need, when somebody says we need help, just jump in. Like you don't have to know anything about it. You don't even have to know if you're good at it. We take anybody. Really. I mean, if you're a member here at Living Word Church and you want to serve, we want you to serve. Actually, in all fairness, we expect you to serve. Because God expects us to serve. You're not better than the task at hand. Right? If you come to serve and they ask you to do something, you're like, oh man, I don't really want to do that. No, just do it. Because it says, in service, serving. In service, serving. Young people, what's your ministry? The Lord has gifted you with a strong back. That means you can move lots of things. Right? Get in there. Get involved. Serve as the Holy Spirit leads you and shows you these different areas of life. Now, it shifts a little bit, and we kind of jump down the list a little bit. We're going to move to one there which says that we would uh, go to contributing in generosity. But what we're going to see is a little shift here because this one doesn't have like the same word. It's going to show a different word. It says contributes in generosity. Remember how we talked about how there's varying and there's varieties of these gifts. So, for example, in generosity, you could say that you can serve with generosity. And it's the, still be a variety or an application of the gift. You could serve with zeal. Right? And that's how this is, and that's how God is designed because it's according to the measure of faith that He's given each one of us, what He accents, what He highlights, and what are ultimately your abilities inside of the body of Christ. All Christian virtues. I think some of the best places for us to practice and know if we're doing these things accordingly is what about in your home? What are the ways in which you serve your family? If you believe that there's a certain gift in your life, does your wife agree? Do your children agree? Do your parents agree? Do the people that are closest to you agree with your assessment of your giftings? It should be the first place that we apply those is in the home. If you picture a painter and they have this palette on their hand with all of the multiple different colors. And as they go and they paint this picture, they take a little bit of this and a lot of that and a little bit of this and a lot of that. That's exactly what God has done uniquely in each of our lives when it comes to our giftings. Uniquely for each one of us. And as we walk out our faith and humility to who Christ is. But it says there that contributes in generosity. And there's some good things for us to look at here in the root words as well. Because contribute by simple definition means to give. But it comes from the word in the Greek metadidomi. Metadidomi. And that's actually a compound word. Meta being the preposition and the next part being the verb. Because normally when we see it in Scripture or other places, it's just didomi, just give. But metadidomi, as he's talking about here, is an intensified level of giving. It brings greater accent to the verb, that of the giving. We would say here in our culture, gro, 
generosity. Grow contribution. It's big, right? It's more than normal. Ephesians 4, 28 shows us the picture of what happens in the life of a believer with regards to giving and generosity. It says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather, rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share, metadidomy, with anyone in need. It's this intensified level of giving. I think about the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. When he comes to saving faith, he repents and immediately he wants to give away half to the, the, the needy in his culture. He wants to pay back ultimately what happened. There's something that shifts when we go from a non-believer to a believer with regards to giving. There's something that shifts. All of a sudden we're self-absorbed and we're wanting me, 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 me. Then Christ does his work and it's like you, 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 you. The humility of it, the walking in that. That's what the Lord does for us out of his great mercies. Paul gives us many examples in Corinthians of the church being generous to other churches around and specifically in Jerusalem. And if we look in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, it says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. So we see him talking there about this church caring and giving and taking care of the needs of this other church. Second Corinthians 9, 6-7, Pastor Ben quoted earlier. And the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Another picture there where we could say one who contributes with cheerfulness, who contributes in generosity. We're all called to be generous givers. But some of us, as it is with this gifting, are gifted to be super generous givers. And you know who these people are. They give of everything, their time, their efforts, their finances, their opinions, their ideas. When you need help, no matter what it is, it's like they are just always there with something to meet the need that you ultimately have. Now, all of us are to be generous. All of us are to give unto God, to give unto the body, to give unto the church. It's the very way in which we function in any way. But some have been gifted to just, to just have capacity to be able to do even more and more. And what a blessing it is when you're around those people. But remember, none of us, and there's no such thing as a non-giving Christian. As Christians, we all are to contribute. We're all to be generous. So what does it look like for you and I? Well, quite simply, what about your, what about your neighbors? Do you have neighbors in need, particularly right here after a storm? Have you been able to go over there and help them in their finances, in your time? Have you been able to do anything, just as Paul there, to, to, to take up and to care for? What about financial needs? Other needs in general. I think about the school supply drive we're doing here right? great opportunities for us as a body of believers to give generously and to contribute in a way that is profound and brings glory and honor to christ 
giving is one of the areas for us that I believe is probably the most sacrificial because it really is the thing that hits us the most. It's the things that we hold the closest to us where we guard and we have boundaries and all these different things rather than just saying, God, use me. God, use what you have blessed me with. And next, leads with zeal. Leads with zeal. Lead comes from the word prohistime. It's another compound word. It means to take a stand, but not only to take a stand, but the pro tells us to take a stand before. A place of leadership. Right? We understand what leadership is. Leadership is the ones that go first. They set into place. They do as they are called to specifically within the confines of the church. And primarily this gifting here is seen within pastors and elders and deacons. But it's not limited to just those areas. People that are in leadership have a responsibility, actually, as we'll see a little bit later, to recognize the giftings that people have in order for us to function as a body, to be in position and in place to bring glory to God. Many of you here teach classes with regards to having a D group or possibly leading a life group. Those are all ways in which we bring leadership. As believers, we should all bring leadership in connection specifically to leading lives of righteousness. Those that look on the side of us should see that there is a focusing and a centering on righteousness in our lives. But specifically here is talking about the organizing of the body and the works and the efforts that go on. An absence of leaders causes major problems. I mean, you look at it just in our culture Just in our society, think about times in your workplace when you've maybe experienced that. But more specifically, when we look at the Bible and specifically the teaching of God's word is where the greatest leadership comes in. If that's not done, there's an anemia that begins to take place in the body of Christ. And it begins to degrade and it begins to fall apart. Just like in your physical body, when you begin to have a breakdown of blood and quantity and supply, what happens to your body? Begins to break down. Leadership and lead with zeal. Deuteronomy 12, 8 says, You shall not do according to all that we are doing here today, everyone doing whatever is right in his own minds. Do we do whatever is right in our own minds? Or what's the truth of Scripture? So leadership. And then it says, with zeal, which zeal speaks to diligence. Diligence is no place for idleness or procrastination. There's no such thing as a leader who's not leading with regard to zeal how can you be out in front how can you be the one standing before if you're not out there with an eagerness and pushing forward and moving forward we're all to lead with zeal but there's also no such thing as as christians that don't take leadership in their lives and in their home with regards to righteousness what does this look like for you and i Maybe some of you are sitting here today and you feel that the Lord has uh, tugged your heart towards pastoral ministry. Well, start serving. Start mingling with the body of believers. Start being a part. And guess what? If that is in fact true, you'll begin to see, and more, more importantly, other people will begin to see this gifting. It will begin to rise to the top. Maybe lead a life group. We need more life groups. We've got some good ones and we've got some faithful ones. 
But on any given Sunday, we have somewhere between five and 600 people in this building. Right. Overall, we have close to seven, eight hundred people that are members here at Living Word Church. With less than 200 involved in most things like life groups and D groups and serving. Why is that? I believe it's because we don't have right understanding and right application of what these giftings are by the great mercy of our Lord and Savior. Our kids ministry. Elevate student ministry. We go through the list. We could be here all day of talking of all the places by which zeal and leadership needs to be brought. Every Wednesday, Pastor Dom has what he calls e-groups. And there are faithful men and women that come week after week after week and sit with these students and talk about the message and pour into their lives and answer their phone calls during the week. They're leaders for the next generation. But guess what? You always need more. We always need more. Be leaders with zeal. Don't sit back and deal with this idea of procrastination or idleness. The last one on the list here, acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Acts of mercy with cheerfulness. It comes from the word L-A-A-O is the word. And it means to have mercy on one afflicted. There's a specificity that brings it here that it's someone that is dealing with affliction. But it also overlaps with being generous, does it not? We could say they have acts of mercy with generosity. But specifically here it talks about this cheerfulness and it brings us to Proverbs 14, 21. And it says, whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner. But blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Cheerfulness right here is actually only used this one time in the New Testament. And it, and it speaks specifically to a readiness of mind, right? Not one that's just in an idle state, but one that's ready to go and ready to charge. And I can't think, and, and, and you know, I, I went back and forth about this on each of these lists of like who these people have meant to me in my life. But this one I felt like was important because this is Tina Trosclair. Acts of mercy... I don't can't believe, she's, I'm, I thought you, I had planned on you crying this morning, Tina, about the um, school supply outreach. Like, Tina cries for pencils, right? She is a woman of great mercy. It is a clear gifting in her life that, yes, I care about people having pencils. But, Ms. Dozon, I'm not going to probably cry about that one. And I want kids to have school supplies, right? Because it's a Christian attribute that we would be uh, merciful and that we would be cheerful in that. Because not only is it being merciful, but it's being cheerful as well. Like consider you're meeting people in a situation that's not cheerful, but yet you are bringing cheerfulness within your mercy. We're all to have mercy with cheerfulness, but some people have are super gifted in these ways because god has gifted them specifically in his way if you don't have that capacity it's because god hasn't gifted you in that way because there's varieties of gifts there's the knitting together of the body of believers that each person it's not that you miss something it's not that you forgot to check the box therefore you didn't get the package that came in it's that god has uniquely gifted each of us differently as a body to function together to be laced together to be a strong unit that does what Bring glory to his name in the advancement of the gospel. 
No such thing as a merciless, uncheerful Christian. You can't go around with your boudet face. Not as a Christian. So what does that look like? Outreach. Right? We do it regularly. Every two weeks we're here ministering to this community on the side of the church. Why? Because they're in great need. Right? And because the church brings need. Pastor Bill with the new seniors ministry, they're ramping up right now to do some nursing home visits and get something started in that capacity. A great need, right? Acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We've long wanted to do things like having a place for a food pantry here where people can come here and we can distribute food in our community, right? We're going to be doing the haircut outreach coming up there's opportunity after opportunity within the body for us to walk in a way in which we can have mercy with cheerfulness living word you and i are all ministers of grace i i I pray and and i say this regularly that when people look at living word church whether it be in the community whether it be other churches in the community whatever it is that they would say that is a church of ministers That is a church of people that care deeply about the people within the body of Christ and the community. And it's evident by the way in which they walk out the giftings in their lives. And more importantly than that, let it be said that the reason why we are a church of ministers is because we understand the great mercy that God had on our lives in salvation. We understand the great mercy and the grace that he has poured upon us when we did not deserve it. When we were in complete and utter rejection of who he was. Paul said in his unbelief, the Lord saved him. When we have right perspective of that, then we have no choice but to go because we know our gifts are not for us. Our gifts are for those around us. It's all for the Lord's namesake. Psalm 23 talks about that it's for the name of the Lord. It's for the sake of his name, not For you and I, glory goes to the Father. So my first question is, and questions that we can leave ourselves with as we go out this morning. So what is your gifting? What is your gifting? Well, I can say quite simply, your gifting is specific to you. So fill your name in the blank. Because it's unique to you as the Lord has gathered and collected and brought emphasis and brought and brought different capacities and bandwidths to all of these things that we read here on this list. The things in 1 Corinthians 12, the things we see in other places in Scripture, it's unique to you. Well, how do you know what it is even further? Be a servant in service, serving. Be a part, get involved. And I'm going to tell you, it will be recognized. Gifts are to be recognized. We don't apply gifts to one another. God applies the gift to us and those around us recognize the gift. And then we have begun to be informed and fitted uniquely into the body of Christ. We can't have this attitude that I'm going to sit back and watch, see how this plays out. It's not exactly my gifting. They're not recognizing my gifting. It might not be your gifting. It could be possible that it's being missed. But I can assure you, if you come with humility and if you come into a place of serving within the body of Christ, your giftings will come out because your giftings are from God and not from you. Get involved. If you're not a member here, take our growth track class. 
See what it's all about. We do those four times per year. Ample opportunity. Get involved. Let your giftings be recognized because that's what God intended them for. So many times I've heard this idea of, oh, you know, my giftings are just not being used. My best guess is you're self-centered and care only about yourself. I love you. I've been told that before in my life too. It's how I know it's true. Our gifts are not assigned by anyone other than God. Do not forget that. That's how you know. Get involved. It will be recognized. That's one of the responsibilities of leadership is to recognize gifts and to plug people into the body of Christ by which the way the Lord has set them. When you're serving out there, just do it. Just serve. Just be that humble. That's what Christ gave us the example for, to be a ransom for many. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. And thirdly, and possibly a little more weighty, am I using the gifts that God has given me? For many of us in this room, the answer is absolutely yes. For many of us in this room, the the answer is absolutely no. But repent. Turn to God. Say, God, forgive me. Show me how to walk in this. Teach me how to serve. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Let us not hide our talents. They've been given to us for the glory of God and for the advancement of his kingdom. Let us be the one that when the master comes back, he tells us, well done. Here, take this one and do something with it as well. Our gifts are not for us. They're for others. They're not for me. They're for you. And yours is for me. God, we thank you. For your great mercies. God, the very fact, Father, that you saved us. What amazing grace that is. And God, I know at times like this, when we think through and we consider that it can be tough. We begin to evaluate our lives. But God, I pray, Father, that just as your word can do, that it will chasten our hearts. And for those of us that are running it well, that as you would just... Keep on keeping on. And that you would just continue, Father, to sustain us as you always do. As we read this morning, that you never sleep or slumber. And God, for the areas where we're not doing this, God, that you would just show us. God, that we would be quick to repent and say, oh God, forgive me. How could I have not, out of the great mercy, the great amazing grace that you've bestowed in my life. And God, may we be a church. God, it's busy about one another, busy about serving one another, busy about walking lives of humility in the different varieties and ways in which you have gifted your people. God, your gifting, your body, your setup is absolutely perfect. God, it is to your glory. God, it is for your namesake. God, seal this word in our heart. And God, let us put it to action. Let us put feet Father, to what you have spoken to us in your word. God, and I thank you, Father, for so many faithful people. God, to display their gifts on a regular basis here for the glory of your name. God, what an honor to be a part of a body of believers who's faithful to the Lord. Faithful to give glory to your name. May all strength and all courage come from you 
and you alone. God, we love you. And God, we do thank you for this time. And God, it's in your name we always pray. Amen. I love you. See you next week.